Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to Umbria, the green heart of Italy, to meet Teresa Severini of the Lungarotti Winery, one of the pioneering wineries in Umbria. It's great to be in contact again, Teresa. Thank you for joining me this morning. Oh, thank you, Mark. It's so nice to hear you again and to be in contact. And uh, thank you for letting me talk about us. Thank you. Oh, no, it's a real pleasure. First of all, I'd like our listeners to get uh, a real idea of where you are in Umbria, of Umbria itself, because it's a very special place. Uh, yeah, Umbria is a region right in the center of Italy. There are no, no coast. Uh, it's uh, in, inland. And uh, Torgiano is right to, close to Perugia and Assisi, just to let you know a little bit about uh, the, the famous places. And Torgiano is a medieval village, a small one, uh, 15 minutes from these two cities and uh, easy to reach not so much but uh, difficult to leave because uh, when you come you stay so well that you, it's, a, it's a pleasure to stay and I love my country, I love my places and uh, I, I would like to share with, uh, with the people you are, we are talking to uh, the peaceful place we are living in. Yes, actually, I have such fond memories of the times I visited you in Torrigiano. It's a really beautiful place, and it's a beautiful whole complex that your family has created. In fact, the entire wine zone of Torrigiano didn't exist until your, your stepfather, Dr. Giorgio Lungarotti, came to the area to establish a new wine with a new mentality. He's really one of the pioneers of the modern renaissance of Italian wine. Can you tell us a little bit about this family story and how the region has developed? Uh, yes, thank you. Yes, he is a, really a pioneer. He was a visionary man and uh, decided to give uh, a new life because uh, he understood very well he was graduated in a viticulture. He understood that uh, the place was had a potential a great potential. So he had to change things from the tradition because the wines were already known for being nice wines, but he wanted to create great wines. So he started to work the land, changing a little bit the way to grow the vineyard. Uh, When I say a little bit, I say a lot because (laughs) there's been a lot of revolutions in in the in the wine field, you know, in the in the vineyard, in the winery, and so he changed it a lot. But he was humble, and uh, he wanted to to visit visit uh, before creating all this. He visited a lot of France, Germany, other countries to see what 
was uh, creating a difference from uh, the tradition here. And so he started really a new age. And he was the first in Umbria. As, as a matter of fact, we received the, the first DOC in uh, 68. So it was the fifth DOC in Italy. And uh, one of the very first DOCG later. So that's the proof that what he thought to do the difference was right. And uh, he started... Uh, Today, you know, it's so easy to, to think of uh, changing in the styles and so on, but go back to the 60s, late 50s, early 60s. It was something like really a revolution, and people could say, this man is mad. Uh, but uh, he was right, and together with my mother, who was uh, with him uh, forming a couple excellent, superior, I would say, they started to talk about wine and about culture. And this was making a great difference also. And uh, giving also a great attention to a specialized tourism on wine. Today we call it enoturismo. But uh, uh, at that time it was uh, um, attracting people on wine base to live a territory which is so beautiful and so dedicated to the wine production. Yes, it really was visionary in, in so many respects then. And of course, we have to recall that in the 1960s, the countryside itself was completely different. This was a time of the mezzadria, of, of mixed cultivations. There wasn't a specialized uh, viticulture. Yes. Giorgio was one of the first to close the Mezzadria um, contracts. And he re-employed all the people, the Mezzadri, as a salariati. So he, he was forming uh, an equipe very tight to him. And uh, shall I say with us too, because uh, we have the, the, the children of them working for us Again, so it's a continu continuation of dynasties, shall I say. Yeah, yeah, that really was so important. And it actually was very early to be doing that in the 1960s. Uh, uh, today, the Lungarotti Winery is headed by you, your sister Chiara, and your mother, Maria Grazia, still is overseeing the Lungarotti Foundation. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, shall I say that also my son, Francesco, join us, uh, Francesco Zaganelli, and uh, uh, at the foundation where I'm more and more active together with my mother, also my daughter Gemma arrived. So it's a continuation of families, as you see. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. And I'll look forward to meeting them when I next visit you. You must come, yes. Uh, Gemma is a historic of art, like my mother. And Francesco is taking care of all the export. So he's, uh, he's one of the front men, as you can say, in a women winery. Right, yes. Well, in fact, you were the first female enologist when you qualified. In, was that in 1978? Early 79, yes. But I, I, because I worked for three years of, on a technical 
thesis uh, on the aging of red wines. And that's why I graduated in 79 instead of 78. And uh, this was really uh, something shocking because uh, it was not a female field. For many years, I've been uh, the winemaker here, uh, but uh, also I took care of the promotion abroad. And then more and more, I moved to the marketing and communication sector. And now more and more on the Lungarotti Foundation, because I'm so fond of the fact that culture and wine, they, they have to go together. So, you know. Yes, yes. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the foundation and activities in a moment. I'd just like to um, draw our listeners' attention to some of your flagship wines, wines that I've been very fond of over the years, the, uh, in particular the crew wines, the Torridigiano Vigna Il Pino and the Rubesco uh, Vigna Monticchio. Can you tell us about these? Because uh, the Rubesco certainly is, is what people think of first when they hear the Lungarotti name. But uh, these, are, these are wonderful wines that are, I think are amongst the great wines of Italy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this year we we won the the, the first placement with uh, together with Sassicaia, uh, the fir- the best red wines in Italy, red wine in Italy. So with Rubesco Reserva, 2016, and this was a great great proud for all of us, uh, for my sister, my for me, for Chiara. But uh, remembering the the passion that uh, Giorgio put on this wine and also the passion of all the young people working here because uh, this is another point that I have to emphasize is uh, a young winery and that's very important a lot of uh, enthusiasm a lot of uh, working on this and uh, so the uh, the placement such a placement for the Rubesco Reserva was uh, fabulous but you're right, Torre di Giano Vigna Il Pino, which is uh, the white counterpart of Rubesco Reserva, is uh, a great wine. I remember Edmund Penny Russell writing about this in 1980. He, he was drinking a 1970 of this wine. He put an article on, on this saying, I was astonished to see how an Italian white wine can not only last for 10 years, but even grow in, the, in this year. And that's, that's the real thing. It was much before the fashion of uh, uh, white wine in wood. It was, it's partially in wood, but in the same time, it keeps uh, flavor, elegance, and body. And it's not, the, the wood is not overpowering, not at all. And this was going back many years ago. Today is still the same wine, fantastic for wine lovers. And uh, it, it's a couple, Rubesco Reserva and Torre di Giano Vignalpino. Uh, very, very nice. On the label, it's nice also to point this. Uh, on the label, you have a particular a detail of the Fontana Maggiore, in Perugia, which I love, and I, it's uh, the best, uh, the, the most beautiful fountain uh, for square from the 13th century. Uh, again, is a, a tie between art, culture, and wine, and go back many years ago eh, with this label. So the, these are these are two uh, wines that are 
flagships of Lungarotti, and they also celebrate the traditional grape varieties, the Sangiovese, um, Trebbiano, Grechetto. Uh, Absolutely. We, we experiment uh, clones and so on uh, since many, many years ago. We think that, uh, um, of course, the quality is already settled in the vineyard. So you have to find the right place for the right grape, uh, for the variety, and then um, obtain more and more and more. And uh, that's the, what Giorgio gave us as a, as a statement and uh, a, leg- a legacy, shall I say, and that's what we do. And uh, for many years, we have been uh, very tight with uh, Denis de Bourdieu. Uh, um, unfortunately, he's no more uh, on this land, but uh, um, he died a few years ago. But um, uh, the man that I uh, respect with uh, all my soul. When I studied in Bordeaux for my specialization, I met him, his wife, uh, the family, and I found a great personality in wine, also a great friend. And uh, after Giorgio died, he started to be our consultant. So he started to give us a, a new idea of keep on the the revolution, let's say. And I thank him for uh, having a lot of suggestion. So we still have the the Italian Italian style, but uh, with uh, a a deep attention to the the soil, to the vineyard. Really expressing the terroir of Torgiano. The terroir, the terroir of Torgiano. And you know that now we have also another winery in Montefalco. Yeah, it's different because Sagrantino is a special grape, so different from Sangiovese. And the land also is different. So thanks to our experience in, uh, inside the vineyard on the soil, that we kept the right way to grow Sagrantino, to propose a Sagrantino which is not too aggressive, but very pleasant and round. That's what we like on the on the wines to be pleasant, to be drunk, and not only a glass but an entire bottle. <laughs> yes, yes, great. So, but we have many wines, different kind. Uh, for you know, wine is something that you have to match with your food, with your occasion. So, it's not only one kind of wine, but many. We also have San Giorgio, for example, which is a combination of. Uh, uh, Sangiovese and Cabernet Sauvignon. We have uh, Aurente, which is a great, great Chardonnay, but we have many. Yes, you have a wonderful range of wines, an extensive range. And I think uh, what I've liked following the Lungarotti story is this blend of tradition and creating new traditions, new wines. I like this. Yes, I agree. <laughs> we created new tradition. Now let's turn to the, the culture of wine and, and wine hospitality, because uh, again, you were pioneers here at a time when uh, I remember when we were researching our Wine Roads of Italy book, which was in the late 80s and the early came out in the early 90s. You already had in place um, a really important complex of hospitality and culture through the Museum of Wine, which is one of the, I think, one of the great wine museums in the world. So extensive. 
and Im- important in not just showing how wine was made, but in placing wine in the context of culture, art, and it's a beautiful project. Yeah, something that you, everybody must know. I mean, first of all, it's not the museum of the wines Lungarotti, hmm? but is uh, uh, I mean, the foundation it has uh, uh, the activity to expand the, the culture of wine. But the two museums, because it's a wine museum and an olive oil museum, are two uh, art museums. Shall I say decorative art and uh, history of man? And, uh, for example, talking about the museum, the wine museum, um, my mother always says the name wine museum is uh, not enough to explain what is it in. Because uh, really is, uh, of course, the, 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 the history, the tools, etc. This is a part which cannot, uh, cannot avoid. But uh, mainly you can find museums inside the museum, let's say. For example, the ceramic. We have the most important collection of ceramics on one theme existing, going from the Middle Age to the Renaissance to the modern time, the contemporary art. Or the, for example, let's, some, let's say, say some uh, name, Jean Cocteau, Joe Tilson, Cano Tatsunori, Caruso on the contemporary, but we also have pieces from Girolamo della Robbia or uh, from uh, the botteghe, the most ancient botteghe in, uh, in the central Italy. Then a collection of uh, ancient printings. Ancient because we go from Mantegna, for example, but we arrive to Picasso. So it's a long time period that is uh, observed through more than 600 drawings or printings. Or we have the archaeological findings going back to the third millennium before Christ. So 5,000 history of uh, uh, the civilization on wine. And uh, also we like to do something to create a dialogue with modern exhibition of art, contemporary art, for example, in this moment, we have uh, Andrea Tana, who is an American, grown in, in England and then in Paris and now in Umbria. And it's so beautiful to see this dialogue because uh, the conception is not a museum with dash, but a museum which is dynamic and talking different languages. Of course, that one of wine is the more important and the Lungarotti Foundation is very active also in the education of drinkings, the respect for wine and the um, sensibility to this. And my mother has written different books, me too, on, uh, on this field, because I think that young, they have to be educated to the to the moderate drinking. Uh, the second museum is the Olive Oil Museum, and it's very, it came very late because uh, the wine museum is, uh, is born in 74, and then, of course, up-to-dated continuously. The, the Olive Oil Museum was created after Giorgio's death because uh, it was a legacy from him to to have also another museum on this beautiful product of our land, which is the extra virgin olive oil. 
And so with uh, my mother, the historic of art, she created the two museums uh, by herself. She created the Olive Oil Museum. But as you tell, as you have told, uh, wine museum is considered the most important, shall I say, in the world, not only in Italy, because uh, of the collection inside. I would say so. Certainly from anything I have visited, and I would urge all our listeners who are possibly traveling to Umbria to make a point of visiting the museums and the Lungarotti winery. Now, I know that, that welcoming visitors is has also been central to your approach almost from the beginning. And also this hospitality, the linking of wine and food. Wine isn't something that just exists outside of the context of living. Can we talk a little bit about hospitality and the typical foods of of Umbria, the typical foods that pair so well with your wines? Oh, for sure. Uh, hospitality, culture, and wine has been always very tight here. Also because it's such a place for land, such a place for territory. So uh, it's so easy to, to, to put them together, where you have the pleasure to stay, to live, the pleasure to drink, and the pleasure to eat. And of course, to match the food. And um, we have agriturismi. Uh, in, in Torgiano, there is also the Trevaselle, which was a hotel, a five-star hotel that we created. And uh, now is run by other people because we wanted to focus on the agriturismi. And we also have different places where to serve food. Of course, always very attentive to the to the quality, to the bio, and uh, to the uh, uh, ancient recipe of uh, Umbria. So when you say which food, which recipe to match, <laughs> it's not easy, because uh, um, generally, can we say that in Umbria the food is more poor in the in the season seasoning, but uh, very tasteful in uh, in the in the quality. And so there is a lot of um, meats, very, very good, very important here, but uh, also some fish, not from the sea coast, but uh, from uh, the Lake Trasimeno or from the river. And uh, we have um, some cakes special, um, a salted one, which is uh, the Torta di Pasqua, which is a salted cake with uh, cheese, Fantastic! It's only from this place, and we see uh, we eat it for Easter, mm-hmm. and we also have uh, uh, the torta al testo, which is sort of a bread, very thin, not like piadine, but a little bit thick. But uh, we used to to eat with uh, prosciutto. We have a wonderful prosciutto, ham, salted and spicy and other uh, charcuterie, because uh, in this region there is uh, Norcia, you say. Norcia is the land of uh, charcuterie. And uh, are fantastic. We have uh, cheeses like the pecorino, which is uh, excellent with the rubesco, with Aurente, with the Torre di Gianovigna, il Pino, and uh, cappelletti, which are different from the tortellini from Modena, uh, very uh, exquisite with uh, different meats from this land. 
and uh, a lot of uh, greens, uh, legumes and uh, vegetables, a lot. On the season, uh, we use on the seasoning we use the extra virgin olive oil, which is uh, very mild in the same times, very flavored. Is uh, the the this uh, is the child of this land. Hmm? Okay, so the oil and wine have been there since, I guess, since Etruscan times. Uh, absolutely, yes. When you visit the wine museum and the olive oil museum, you can follow this long history of, uh, of the civilization of this land. And, uh, and I think that uh, an experience is uh, the visit to the winery, of course, the tastings, but also the visiting of the wine museum and, uh, and tasting the food all together. That's our feeling from the beginning. Yes, and I think in that way, one can really, through taste, taste of wine, taste of food, really begin to understand not just a place, but also the culture of a place. And you, you have put that together beautifully in the activities you offer. So I hope that some of our listeners will be visiting you in the future. Thank you. You have all the, all the information on our website, of course, and on the, on the videos you can see here and there. But uh, when you come, you will really touch the main things that we have done since the last time you came. And the new visitors, I'm, I'm sure they will fall in love with uh, Umbria, with uh, Torgiano. I'm sure they will too. Well, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. I'm delighted to be back in contact and I look forward to seeing you again, perhaps in the year to come. Thank you. I hope to see you here, really. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Mark. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.